Interplanetary Podcast, the exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. So this is episode 30, I believe, of the Interplanetary Podcast, and this is part two of our investigation into, for want of a better word, the moon hoax or lunar conspiracy. And we're once more joined by Marcus Allen. And we're also joined by Colin Philp, who who was part of the original uh, Marcus Allen lectures that were given at the British Interplanetary Society uh, that apparently is almost five years ago to the day. So quite a historical show. So... uh, uh, welcome to Marcus, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for coming back on. Welcome back, Marcus. Good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to be back as well. I'm delighted to be able to uh, contribute and hopefully enlarge on what we discussed in our first. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And welcome to Colin. Thanks. Yeah, great to be here. What I really wanted to do is just to start with a kind of recap of positions. So, uh, Marcus, if you can just, in one or two sentences, just recap your position so that it's crystal clear, because one thing that was very, very clear with the emails and the um, texts and the Facebook messages that we got was that uh, people felt uh, that you were sometimes being cautious with putting forward the full story of your position. So it'd be really good to just get the nail it down and actually have... Um, your position as a kind of statement, if that if that's okay? Yeah, that's fine. I, I think it's a fair question to ask as well. Uh, my, sta- my position is that uh, humans have not been on the lunar surface, but space programs developed by the Soviet Union, by the United States, by China, and in the future by Japan and India, have landed equipment on the lunar surface, as they have also landed equipment, in the case of America, on Mars. So it's the, it's the human question. Have humans been to the moon? My, my position would be that having examined evidence over the last 20, 25 years, I am not persuaded by the evidence as presented that humans have, have landed on the lunar surface as we were shown quote, live on television, unquote. Okay, and uh, is there an alternative story to uh, the evidence then? Uh, would, is that, that you could sum up very quickly? Yes, there is an alternative explanation as to whether it is the correct one or not. That is an ongoing investigation. The alternative explanation is that at some point, during the planning of the Apollo program to land man on the moon, as declared by John Kennedy in May 1961, at some point it was discovered that the the ability to get humans onto the lunar surface and back to uh, to Earth was beyond their capability at that time for for various reasons. Primarily, the radiation levels not only in the Van Allen belts, but the galactic cosmic rays beyond on the lunar surface, the heat, uh, the extremes of heat on the lunar surface and traveling to the moon were too great to be overcome with the technology that existed in the 1960s. So a decision was made at some point by somebody as yet unidentified, it was probably a committee decision, 
by very uh, highly placed um, personnel within NASA and the defense industry, because NASA is part of the Department of Defense, that it was going to be necessary in order to uh, maintain the the completion of John Kennedy's challenge, he was uh, had been assassinated by this time, that it was going to be necessary to, how shall I put this, recreate it here on Earth and project it as if it was coming from the moon. Hence the live television, hence all the books, all the evidence presented. Okay, well, that, 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 is, that is pretty crystal clear then. So... It, which is, which I guess is what we we, we thought. So essentially, uh, Kennedy kickstarted the Apollo uh, space program. Uh, halfway through, they've realised actually this is impossible. But we've spent loads of money now. Oops, we better just fake it uh, so that we're not caught out and that there's not a scandal that we've spent this money. Is that essentially roughly <laughs> a? Yeah. Uh, Essentially, what roughly what you've said. There's probably a little bit more to it than that. It's not so much you know we spent all this money, which they had done. It was an expensive program. Well, okay, and, 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 and yes, and and also obviously the pre- the national prestige, the fact that Russia and China are watching, uh, uh, and and the hopes and dreams of the nation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We we get that, and that's something that you brought up quite eloquently last time. Uh, so I just wanted to just you know just have a clarity on the position uh, and just just for fairness I'll, I'll put forward our position and uh, our position is that Kennedy kick-started the space race after Russia had stolen a march on the Americans obviously it was extremely important for American prestige that they were to try and get ahead of the communists uh, he set a very very hard target I don't think it was purely political I do think that it was a, a scientific challenge as well that obviously uh, Kennedy hadn't have just said this straight out of the blue and that uh, he'd consulted with engineers and scientists who had basically told him yes we probably think this is possible if you really push for it we can probably do it by 1975 and he goes right let's do it by 1970 <laughs> like politicians do and then uh, they've gone hell for leather and they've done what is arguably one of mankind's greatest achievements landed man on the moon uh and in doing so uh created one of the one of the most uh, amazing magical stories of of all time and 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 i can see that after the cancellation of the apollo program the disillusion that that's left i can see why people might want to then go back and question it however marcus i will say this uh there is one piece of there's one thing missing from your theory about um, what happened is that you don't have a shred of evidence for the committee or the people making the decision uh, that wanted to to say right we're just going to film it on Earth and put that out to the public where you, you, it really is a preposterous theory until there's some evidence for that unless I'm wrong do do you have some evidence for it? Certainly. Uh, the evidence uh, exists um, in many areas because um, one of the major aspects of any form of uh, deception is that if you're going to hide something, you hide it in plain sight. So everybody can actually see it, but they don't make the connections with what it's truly doing there. 
that's one aspect. Yeah, but that, um, that, that's not that's not evidence, Marcus. That that's no, no, that's no, no. that's logical fallacy, isn't it? You're you're, you're you, you've instantly you've you've said something, and I'm not even sure that that's true. If 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 I'm trying to hide something, I don't always put it in plain sight. You know, no. that that's one method, but it's a method of you know, and I, I can't think of a large conspiracy that's in plain sight. Um, but oh, anyway, sorry. There are plenty of them. Believe me. Operation Northwood. <laughs> but, that, but that's but that's exactly uh, what that's. Why, I think that's why you're on the program is because we don't believe you. And and I think that we'll probably as this as this unfolds, we'll we'll you know set out the reasons why we don't believe you. And and the fact that that um, you believe some of these things um, about other stories, uh, I think says something as well. You know, you, you're just about to go on to another story. But let's keep this. Let's keep this just. But also, Matt, I think I think to um, to kind of nip that little thing in the bud. It's we're not saying that conspiracy theories don't happen. Of course they, of course they do happen, and they will continue to happen. Um, you know, you've only got to look at, like you mentioned, Marcus Watergate, and and um, you know, actually more recently than that, the NSA with um, whistleblowing, etc. Um, so we're not saying conspiracy theories don't happen. I think that we're very much talking about this specific one. Yeah, OK, fair enough. Uh, um, let me ask you just a, a simple question, if I may. Mm-hmm. If this was reversed, what would be the evidence you would present for Apollo being real as reported? No, but but, it, but then it wouldn't be real as reported if it was in reverse. If it was in reverse and they'd said, oh, you know, obviously we haven't been to the moon and they were trying to cover up the fact that Neil Armstrong, etc., had been to the moon, then then they'd be going a weird way about it. Um, no, no, no. no. Uh, the, uh, my question, maybe I didn't word it quite right. Uh, I'm not used to interviewing people. Um, what evidence would you present that man has landed on the moon? The evidence I'd present, well, I mean, we've got plenty of evidence that, that man went to the moon. I think there's three. One, one that was uh, sent in uh, by, um, I think, now who was it? I can't remember who sent this in, but uh, one of our readers, uh, one of our listeners, I should say, sent in the fact that you've got the uh, reflectors that are on the moon. Uh, they cannot be put out robotically because it's... Um, because it, it's, it's too hard a thing to, to, to put on the moon robotically. They need to be placed absolutely accurately. And at the time, there was only one way of doing it, and that was using manual labour. Uh, and those reflectors are still on the moon. You can still fire a laser at them. You still get the laser coming back down to you. Uh, I mean, do you deny that the, the reflectors are on the moon? Or, or do you deny that mankind put them there? It's not evidence that man put them there because the Russians put two there robotic lunar cod. Now, and also, on, on the subject of reflectors and lasers, the National Geographic in 1966 reported on the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's uh, attempt and successful attempt to fire a laser at the lunar surface in 1962 and get it returned and picked up by receiver on Earth. It was also done by the Russians at the Crimea Astrophysical Laboratory. So lasers are not evidence that man has placed them there. Lasers can be fired at the lunar surface and the reflection can be picked up here on Earth without a reflector. 
That that's not true. No. I, I, I I've seen I've seen that myth busted several times. You fire a laser uh, of a particular kind at the lunar surface. If you just fire it randomly at the lunar surface, you do not get it reflected back because the the lunar albedo being at about ten percent uh, scatters the light in in so many directions. It has to come back absolutely down the line that you fired it at, and the, the chances of hitting a a, a grain of the lunar surface where it's it, where it's it's flat onto you is is absolutely remote. You can actually go and do the experiment yourself. Fire the laser at the moon and you will get no photons back. The only photons that come back are where you get it in the exact position where these reflectors have been left on the moon. So I used National Geographic was false making false news in 1966. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to what well I have to I'll, I'll have to watch that program. Uh, no, but I, but but the, I you know the, the amount of times that I've seen that experiment done where there, a laser is fired at the moon's surface and you get nothing back and then you fire a laser and you get and you get uh, a signal back once you hit these reflectors and these reflectors have to be you know precision put on the moon. I mean we could move on. Uh, I think uh, Colin, Colin Colin's got one as well. Just one question, just on the reflectors and the mm -hmm. laser. What diameter is the laser? when it reaches the lunar surface? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't think that that's relevant. The, the yes, actual... it, uh, it is relevant, because the, a laser, though it's a... We always assume it's a, it's a, it's a tube of light. Well, no, I, I'm not assuming that. I'm, assu I'm assuming it has a fairly large radius. I'm sure, yeah. actually, they don't have the accuracy w without it go flaring out to it's hit a, these reflectors. But that, but miles when it gets to the lunar surface. So you don't need it to be that accurate, but you do have to know where these alleged reflectors are. Yeah. And, that's, and there is a great deal of evidence that NASA couldn't actually pinpoint them to the accuracy required until fairly recently. Because people ask the question, where are these reflectors? What are the actual coordinates of the reflectors? But you've, you've just debunked that yourself by saying that by the, the, the laser's 100 miles wide when it gets to the surface. So you don't really need to know it that accurately. But what you do need is those reflectors that reflect back at, uh, at the exact angle. At any, any angle that the light falls on them, they shine them back at the perpendicular to the surface that they're on. And that's why that's it the, took precision... That's the theory. That's not necessarily the practice. Oh, no, no. Okay, let's go back to the word theory. If it's a theory, then it has been tested and peer-reviewed. And unlike what you're saying, which I don't think has been peer-reviewed. Well, um, uh, check the article in National Geographic. It's um, December. I think it's December 1966. The article was entitled "Lizard's Bright Magic" by Terence Malloy. And he was reporting on experiments conducted by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology uh, and, and the Russian uh, equivalent in Crimea at the time. Now, if you're saying that you need a reflector on the lunar surface, that report is complete nonsense. National Geographic was one of, is probably one of the preeminent publications at the time. It's also it, it isn't peer reviewed though. It's not like it, it appearing oh, in Nature. Peer review that you know. It's the hands on. I, I I can't forget peer review because it's it's a massively important aspect of any. Um, it's it's uh, one of the ways in which science has been corrupted. 
No, it's in, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's one way that we we ensure that science isn't corrupted. It, it, it peer review is 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 so essential to the scientific process. And there are, you know, there are there are quite a few incidences where it has been corrupted. Fair enough. And sometimes peer review makes uh, science very very expensive and out of the reach of of um, certain institutions. But however, the peer review is an exceedingly important part of any kind of uh, scientific endeavour, uh, and not only that, it, it's you know there isn't a, like there isn't a laser, there isn't a, a piece of surgery, there isn't a diode, there isn't a silicon chip that hasn't been through some process of peer, of peer review to, to to be a mean made in the first place. People could then claim anything and 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 not worry about the fact that it has to be peer reviewed. <laughs> it has to be it has to be repeatable, and that is the whole purpose of peer review. There are lots of processes in the world uh, and, and, and one of my favourite websites is the one where you get two graphs and that you can say, oh look, every time you release a Nicolas Cage movie, someone drowns in a swimming pool in Seattle. You know, if without peer review, you, wouldn't, you have to have, you know, the, 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 someone can run a, 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 an experiment and that could be the result from it and it's known as p-hacking or, or however you want to call it. Peer review then means that someone has to go away and repeat that experiment or, or verify that experiment in various ways and try and tear it down. That's the whole point. Uh, and if they can't, then, then the theory has gone through one of its tests. One of its tests, its other test, of course, is then to uh, say, right, this, these are the results that I'm going to predict in the future. Uh, the, you know, we, we're going to set up experiments that, that further verify this theory. However... Uh, what I really wanted, Marcus, is that you, you, you were saying that there was a committee that, that uh, sat and decided to not do the moon, to, to not do the uh, get man on the moon, but to film it instead. But there, there is no evidence for this committee. There, like, there, as far as I'm aware, there is no evidence for this committee, to the point where you don't know whether it's a committee or a single person. or, or uh, uh, I, d I don't really know how to, to, to go further on that point. Okay. No, 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 fair enough. It's, it's my assumption that there is a committee. I'm not saying there is one. What I'm saying is that looking what happened after, um, or oh, uh, what happened during the uh, latter part of the Apollo program, um, if that latter part, i.e. the landing on the moon, was fabricated, therefore somebody must have made a decision to do it. Because yeah, but, but but there is no evidence for that. So therefore, well, we, we, yeah. it's almost what you're almost doing is setting a trap for yourself by saying, well, if your story is to be believed, then this must have happened. But as there is no evidence for that happening, then you've kind of shot your your entire uh, theory in, in down in flames. Now, if you were to find the evidence that that committee had sat and had the minutes of it. Or, or anything like that, then, then clearly you could come back and say, this is now a credible theory. But at the moment, it really does seem to fall down on this. I, I don't really think the onus is on me to prove that man 
uh, was on the moon. Bearing in mind we've got lots of video footage, we've got lots of photos, we've got the Russians tracking them, we've got the uh, photographs from orbiters of the lunar sites. We've, you know, and I know that you've, you you dispute some of these, but we can carry on disputing every bit of evidence. But there, there there is a huge mountain of evidence, and what I'm saying is for your for your particular story, you require. Uh, as Carl Sagan puts it, we've got the quote somewhere in, in our paperwork. Yeah, extraordinary claims uh, require extraordinary evidence. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And, and, to be, and your claim, Marcus, is extraordinary. It, it, well, so, so is, so, no, the, you know, in fact, I use that quote when I do presentations, ironically. I say extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. It, there's an extraordinary claim that man has landed on the lunar surface. Where is the extraordinary evidence to support that? And well, I look the, at the evidence and I say <clears> this <throat> evidence is not extraordinary enough to support the, conduct, the, the idea that man has landed on the moon. Now, but you you're, in, but in detail about the evidence, but there but is some... That's a, log- but that's, a lo- facts. that's a logical fallacy because you're you're arguing from incredulity. You're just saying that you you don't have you you don't believe it because you are unable to process the huge amount of uh, information and uh, and say that, that that it is a fact. Uh, it seems to me that it, there are so I mean there's. There's countless museums with countless artifacts in them. There's loads and loads of photos. Uh, it was it was live on people's uh, uh, on t- television sets. We have the eyewitness uh, accounts of twelve astronauts or sixteen astronauts, if you include the ones piloting. Uh, the, the thought that all sixteen of these astronauts are liars. Uh, and are able to maintain this lie for fifty years, is 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 almost preposterous. As in that, to to sort of to say that those sixteen people are liars requires extraordinary evidence to prove it. I.e., I think that just their testament alone is enough. If I'm honest, you know okay. the the uh, it, it, the. That I mean, their testament alone is enough. It would be enough in, in a court of law to have 16 people walk in and give an eyewitness account. They've, they've got no previous criminal convictions. These are military men that, that have had no... You know, there's absolutely not one blemish on any of their CVs. So what, why... Uh, so, you know, that would be enough in a courtroom. So I kind of, at the moment, until I get the extraordinary piece of evidence from you, we're going to have to go with the lunar landing okay. being manned. Uh, you know, fair enough, that, that's, that's your position. I don't necessarily agree with it, not 100%. I agree with some of it. There's an interesting quote, you know, if, if we're going to have some quotes, I'll, I'll have one. Mm-hmm. Is unthinking respect for authority is the greatest enemy of truth. Albert Einstein. Yeah, but but no which, one. Is, you know, which is an interesting quote, and uh, I think we, one would recognise that Einstein's contribution to to science is uh, a major factor in many people's careers as well. Absolutely, I think that would make sense if there wasn't all the evidence that we had for man going to the moon. Um, that obviously you don't believe, but we do. If if the, if NASA and the U.S. government just said. Guys, just to let you know, um, there's a headline in the paper today, and it's true. Uh, we put man on the moon. You know, that's when we would be idiots if we just accepted authority. 
Um, but it didn't happen like that. Um, I've been reading a book, Marcus, that I was going to bring up later, but so now seems a good time. I don't know if you've read it. It's by Michael Shermer. It's called Why People Believe Weird Things. It's a book on my list to read. Oh, I will send it to you because I'm nearly finished, but it's fascinating. And I think I think you'll agree with me after you finished it. But but I'll, I'll read a, a chunk here. OK. And I quote, the essential tension in dealing with weird things is between uh, is between being so sceptical that revolutionary ideas pass you by and being so open minded that flim flam artists take you in. Balance can be found by answering a few basic questions. What is the quality of the evidence for the claim? What what are the background and credentials of the person making the claim? Does the thing work as claimed? As I discovered during my personal odyssey in the world of alternative health and fitness therapies and gadgets, often the evidence is weak, the background and credentials of the claimants are questionable, and the therapy or gadget almost never does what it's supposed to. And he goes on and on, and that's actually just a small chunk of one of the chapters, but as we will speak about in a second i think the fact that what you do for a living in publishing nexus and your talks and and your your fame in that circle there's a massive vested interest in you carrying this on until you say what you you get what you need um which even in the last podcast when we said you know if we get you photos you admitted yourself that you might even question those photos as being photoshopped and and that that actually what you might need is another person independent person going to the moon that that not even the google x prize um would convince you so what do you think about that that's a fair point it's a fair point um because to every opinion there is an equal and opposite opinion well not 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 necessarily equal but there is an opposite opinion that's why we have two political parties that's why we have opposing views that's why we have evidence that either stands up or it doesn't or absolutely just just one point on on michael Shermer. he's a yeah a fully paid up member of the skeptic society in america he is i, I think he's the secretary as was uh, james randy and yep. the, there are many people the uh, point about that is that there is a skeptical view which is actually a misuse of the word a skeptical view would would doubt what is being told. Now, uh, Michael Sharma, James Randi, um, what's the other guy's name? Forget now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, their, their business is to debunk things that they don't agree with. Now, you can go back into history and look at how things have changed, which they do. Oh, no, no, actually, can I, can I, I'm going to have to redefine people like James Randi. James Randi... His job is to debunk things using uh, uh, using his gifts of critical thinking, and critical thinking is is one of the most important factors of this. Is to be able to uh, separate out uh, the parts of the argument that are logical fallacy and the parts that aren't. And uh, James Randi is is a hero of mine, and he's exceedingly good at it. He doesn't just go around debunking any old thing. He didn't go and try and debunk. Einstein's theory of relativity. He didn't go around and try and debunk uh, Watergate. He didn't go around and try and debunk, uh, you know, uh, Nicaragua or anything like that. He goes around debunking things that are clearly, uh, are, are logically, uh, are built on logical sand, as it were, as in things where you take away one piece of it and, and the whole thing clearly it, it falls apart. 
I mean, classically was the Uri Geller or homeopathy that James Randi completely destroyed. But it's, it's um, so I, he doesn't go around debunking things that he disagrees with. He goes around debunking things that he can clearly see do not stand up under critical thinking. Okay, fair enough. And actually, Marcus, I just wanted to finish by asking you, just, just carrying on from that theme about, you know, your, your life for the last, 20 years and, and the talks you've given and, and, you know, the money that you must have made off of that as, as it being your, your work. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but, but how would, how would your life change if on today's episode you said, okay, I've got the evidence I need. Um, thanks for changing my mind guys. Um, not that we're trying to do that. We're just having a debate. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing something out there. Um, how would your life change if you were to turn around today and accept that man walked on the moon? I don't think it would change in any great deal, to be honest. Um, really? Well, I want to, as I said at the beginning, I would like to believe that actually did happen. <clears throat> I would like to believe that man has landed on the moon. It's an incredible achievement. It's just that the evidence that I have found, maybe we don't always agree that the evidence supports my contention against your contention, the, the evidence that I have found raises doubts in my mind that what has been presented as a fait accompli was a little bit more complicated than that. That there are, um, there are many more things that need to And there are, two, there are two things we have we actually haven't discussed yet, but I think are relevant to it. One is one is radiation, and the other is the re-entry. We did discuss those, didn't we? We did discuss those, and I and I've and I have done further a, a further kind of look at both of those uh, things, Marcus. Uh, okay. But I'm I'm just going to let Colin just quickly ask <clears throat> you a couple of questions while we've got him here. Yeah. Um... Looking at this, so in terms of the evidence that you have or the alleged evidence you have, Marcus, um, I take it you believe that you have evidence that exposes the moon landings as a conspiracy? Well, uh, that by definition would be correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So would you agree that if this is genuine evidence, it amounts to the biggest scandal in human history? Uh, it would certainly be up there in the top ten. Yeah, because I think it would it would dwarf Watergate. It would make Watergate look trivial. Um, you know, it would expose a, a lie by the U.S. government and NASA. Uh, it would expose a waste of tens of billions of dollars of U.S. taxpayers' money, um, and the, pos the prospects could be frightening from that. Um, yes. You could be talking about civil unrest in the U.S. because the government had been exposed as lying to its population, to its people. Um, uh, okay, but I don't think that too many people would uh, accept that the uh, US or even the UK or any government tells the truth about everything all the time. Yeah, I they, think the thing in the, in the case of Apollo, we had hundreds of thousands of Americans who believed in the cause of the Apollo project and its, and its promotion of national pride, prestige and technological superiority, um, and who put their lives into the, into the project, uh, in many cases resulting in family breakdown. Um, that they were deceived. Um, so, so you would agree with that? Certainly, if, if, if it is demonstrated, which is why it will probably never be demonstrated because of what you've just said. Right. There will be a major backlash against it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's why it's going to happen. So you have, you have evidence that exposes the, the uh, moon landings as a conspiracy. 
if you think about uh, media companies, news media companies, presumably they would be very interested in that information because a newspaper or a news media company getting hold of that information, say, of this alleged committee, they would have the biggest exclusive in 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 news history, wouldn't they? If they could get hold of it and stand it up, yes, of course they would. Right, but, so... But, but don't forget the news organisations have a political agenda as well. And well, we don't. We're, we're, we're kind of like a news news outlet in, in some in some ways and we've managed to get hold of this information via you I mean in, in some ways my vested interest would would for you to be able to assist the interplanetary podcast in becoming the most widely <laughs> listened to podcast of all time because it was the one that finally exposed the biggest lie in history I mean th- this is what with I mean so Really, you don't have evidence. Otherwise, this program would become the biggest thing in the world. I think that's. Uh, I, I, so I'm going to let Colin carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I think what you're saying is you, Marcus. You, you're saying that you have enough information uh, to to expose the moon landings as a conspiracy, and that is uh, extremely valuable information. So I would presume that a good test of that information would be that a media company would pay a lot of money, huge sums of money, in fact, for that information. Would you agree? This subject of money always crops up. Uh, it's sort of held up that uh, because I'm, I speak on the radio, appear on television programmes, make presentations, I must be making an absolute fortune out of this. I'm not. No, I'm not saying you're making oh, money. I'm saying that there must be someone else out there who believes in the moon hoax, yeah. a, another journalist or whoever who believes in the moon hoax who would think this information is unbelievably valuable and therefore I am going to approach uh, a large, a reputable media company with this information and that company would pay them huge amounts of money but they in turn would have the biggest scoop, the biggest exclusive in news history. Well, they would. Um, I've appeared on Russian television talking about it. So why, why hasn't this happened? Why, hasn't, you know, why haven't reputable uh, investigative journalists taken up this case uh, and actually researched this so that such that you are able to to come up with a with a file of uh, incontrovertible evidence that would stand up in a court of law because we're talking here as i said about the biggest scandal allegedly in human history so why why hasn't that happened i don't know to be honest um it's a fair question it's a fair point to make um i know you know, there are various reasons why it wouldn't necessarily uh, be of particular interest at this time, because space travel is, is not top of the agenda. Um, there are certain other areas in world politics which seem to, to dominate at the moment. Um, space travel is sort of rather on the back burner. Well, it isn't. And also, if this had happened 100 years ago, it wouldn't matter if it happened 200 years ago, you would still be talking about the biggest scandal in, in, in history. So... I don't think the time factor here really is uh, of any of any material uh, essence. So, okay, I, I... okay but, but just because it hasn't been taken up in the, in the way that you consider would would demonstrate it, doesn't mean to say that the evidence that myself and many other people around the world have identified as raising doubts about. The story. Yeah, no, I think what the and a problem here is that um, many conspiracy theorists are saying they have doubts. They have doubts that this happened. But leaping from 
an alleged doubt to saying that the moon landings didn't happen is not a reasonable or logical uh, thing. It, it's a fallacy. Okay, fair enough. Um, what do you suggest? Well, I suggest coming up with evidence. I suggest coming up with uh, evidence that would stand up in a court of law under cross-examination. That's, that's the crucial thing, is, is concrete evidence that proves your position. Okay. Because the, the, the mass of evidence that supports the moon landings is so huge that I'm afraid your position is just not uh, a, a logical one. It's simply not supported by evidence. And really, for you to continue, I think you need to come up with evidence which is independently testable, uh, which is independently verified and subject to peer, peer group review, which is what uh, Matt has been uh, saying. Okay. Okay. Uh, you, 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 you did mention, and I'll let you come back in on this. That you mentioned the uh, let's let's go back to one of the ones that you have mentioned several times is the ra- the Van Allen belts, the radiation issue, uh, and, and and I think you were sort of saying in your opening uh, gambit, as it were, that that it was the Van Allen belts that were essentially the showstopper. Yep. that uh, led to your imagined committee uh so it's um what is it that you why do you think that the van allen belts are not why do you think that they are the showstopper because i've not found a shred of evidence that that is the case right if um okay let's let's, let's go back to the beginning um mm-hmm. you mentioned that the russians had tracked the apollo craft to the moon mm-hmm. uh, that's actually not correct it was tracked by Jodrell Bank, by Sir Bernard Lovell. He was using uh, one of the uh, he was using the big dish at Jodrell Bank to track the uh, Soviet unmanned craft going to the moon at the same time as Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. He was asked. I don't know if it was before or after that particular tracking. He said he was asked. To, because he was in good communication with the, with the Soviet Union at the time. He was helping them track their craft because they mm-hmm. didn't have the spread of uh, land that could be used for tracking stations as the Americans did. He was asked to ask the Russians, when are you going to send man to the moon? And he asked them. And their answer was, we're going to send men to the moon as soon as we can ensure their safe return due to the dangers of radiation. Now, if the Soviet Union or the Russians were fully aware of the dangers of radiation and that this was enough to put a damper on their sending men, because they wanted to do it. They had the rocket, they had the spacecraft to do it. It was all built, it was all ready, you could see it today. But they weren't prepared to send men to the moon because of the dangers of radiation. Now, radiation is not nation selective. It doesn't just affect Russians, it affects everybody. Americans as well. So if it was so easy for Americans to travel through the Van Allen radiation... Well, well, well no, no one said it was easy. Yeah, it, it's, no one did say it was easy. Um, uh, and Van Allen was, uh, and uh, the rest of NASA spent a lot of time analysing the Van Allen belts with sounding rockets. Uh, and it's from that information that they were able to develop the uh, Apollo capsule... To a, to a standard that they were convinced would be safe for the astronauts to travel through. And not only is that the case, you could actually travel through uh, the Van Allen belts at the speed that they did outside of the capsule 
and only be really exposed to the radiation from, say, five or six CAT scans. Now, that's not enough to kill you, and it's, not, well, it's, it's dangerous, uh, but it's not enough to kill you. Inside the capsule, it drops down to less than a CAT scan. So, uh, it, you know, these are, this is from peer-reviewed scientific papers, not from hearsay from between uh, Lovell and some Russian guy. You know, just because a Russian says, well, we, we, you know, we want to wait until it's safe. Maybe they didn't have the scientific information that the Americans had. It's, uh, it's way too much of a leap to say that the Van Allen belts are uh, non-transversible. Where they clearly are, there is no evidence, and all the scientific papers by scientists say that they are. No, you know, this there's, is, there's, there's hundreds of papers. That, I can't agree with it. There is evidence that they are dangerous. There is, and, and it goes, it, it, it's a very complicated and rather technical issue, the amount of radiation that exists there, what shielding is required. To, shielding can be put in against the protons and, and some of the electrons, but the, the, the uh, solar particle events and the galactic cosmic rays at higher frequencies, they can be measured. And I have seen the calculations done Without getting into the detail, the amount of time spent in the Van Allen belts by any craft traveling in or out, and they've got to go two ways. They've got to go up and back, as uh, Kelly Smith so, so eloquently put it. Why are the Americans now saying that radiation is a major danger and has to be further researched? You, you are referring... You're referring to Kelly Smith's video. Now, Kelly Smith, what he actually said was, we need to solve the problem for Orion, right? Which is not the same as saying, we never did it. We didn't uh, solve the problem for Apollo. They had solved the problem for Apollo. So why don't they... the, Orion, the Orion spacecraft is a completely different spacecraft. So what, and, and... what they used on Apollo. Oh, well, here goes. So when iPhone 7 comes out and they say, oh, we, we've been, you know, unfortunately there's been a delay because we're testing the camera. Do you then turn around and say, well, the iPhone 6 never existed? Of course not. They've just got a new piece of technology that requires testing. That's all, that is all Kelly Smith has said. And to extrapolate it any further than that is quite simply preposterous. It's, it's actually genuinely preposterous. It's, 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 that's not evidence. The fact that you're bringing that up as evidence in it, uh, the, the Van Allen belts aren't transversible, using a NASA scientist who, if we had him in this room, would say this is preposterous and probably not even deemed to answer the question. He was saying that it needs to be solved for Orion. It's a different spacecraft. It's a different technology that they're using, and it needs to be tested. They wouldn't just... They wouldn't just go, right, we built the iPhone 7, we're not even going to test it because the iPhone 6 worked. That's the no. same argument. No, it's not. It's a completely different argument. You're saying that they've got to test it for Orion. Yeah. yeah. Right, Apollo, Apollo was, was developed 40, 50 years earlier that succeeded in doing something which is now required further research for a modern... For a 50-year 50 50 later spacecraft, what I'm saying is that if it was successful on Apollo, and evidently was from the assumption that the astronauts travel through the Van Allen belts, why isn't... Because radiation doesn't change in 50 years. 
No, but the spacecraft. No, but the space. Yeah, but yeah, the spacecraft. The spacecraft has changed, so it needs a different configuration. That's what. That's my whole point. Uh, uh, Apple test the iPhone 7 because they exactly don't know it's going to work. That's exactly my... No, forget the iPhone 7. That's a completely different technology. It's nothing to do with it. It's a bad example, if I may say so. Apollo and Orion are very similar craft. They're trying to do the same job. Take people through the Van Allen belts. Apollo, we're told, was successful in doing it. Yeah, but the iPhone 7 is a similar craft to the iPhone 6. It does the same job. But it requires testing, and it requires uh, going through the same procedure as they're doing with Orion. Well, it, 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 the, the iPhone 7 is a development of the iPhone 6, so you test the new development. Exactly, and which is what they're doing with which is what they're doing with Orion. Orion is a development of the of the Apollo, and so there you have to test the Orion. That's exactly what they're doing. The, uh, Kelly Smith said nothing different to that. Okay, that is what he, that is what he said. Right. If, if we're going to talk about Orion, okay, I, I, I accept that, yes, that it is a new craft. It's probably made of different materials. It's, got to, it's bigger. It's got to carry more people. There is another aspect, which is the re-entry. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in order to achieve re-entry, you need a heat shield to stop mm -hmm. the, the, the frictional loads on the craft to enter the Earth's atmosphere. The Earth's atmosphere is starts at about 100 miles up above the surface. So the craft comes in in a very, very steep, a very acute angle. It's half degrees to the Earth's surface. So it travels about 1,000 miles, which I think I mentioned in the previous podcast. The point about the heat shield is it has to be made a material which is ablative, i.e. It, it, it absorbs the heat and it destroys itself uh -huh. by the heat. The photographs showing Apollo show, in fact, you can go to the Science Museum and see Apollo 10 um, command module there. It has a heat shield underneath, which you can see has been uh, affected, but there is no heat shield on the top part of the Apollo craft. It's the aluminium surface. On the Orion craft, the whole craft is covered in heat shield. On the bottom, it's got a, a, a heat shield developed, so we're told, from the Apollo material, Avcot 51, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. But the top part of the Orion craft is covered in what looks like space shuttle heat shield tiles, which completely cover every window and door. If it was so easy to get back using the Apollo craft with no heat shield, why is Orion now having to have a heat shield on the whole craft? That doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. You're you're arguing from you're arguing from incredulity again. You don't understand the science of the space capsule. None of us do because that would take about ten years of astronautical engineering at a university to really understand it. These, are, these aren't just simple bits of wood we're chucking about. These are extremely sophisticated, multi-billion pound developments. And the, the, you know, the, the thought that any of us, uh, least of all me, least of all you, Marcus, uh, are understanding why they've done something like that. You could sit down with one of the engineers and say, why have you done that and why wasn't it on the Apollo? I'm sure they'd give you a, a, re a reasonable answer. I mean, has anyone actually done that? Or is it you're just talking or, or you, you've just seen I, something and you're saying it? Yes. 
because that's the only evidence that I've got at this point. No, I haven't sat down with a with a, an engineer, one of the design engineers of the Orion craft, and asked him why if you put heat shield over the whole craft instead of as they had on Apollo. Why don't you just do what you did on Apollo? It was obviously successful. No, well, because not it's not that. because it, again, it's a different craft. It's you know in, in the same way that um, it's a bit like saying you know uh, uh, there's lots of cars and cars look different to how they did ten years ago. Uh, but they need testing in different ways. And, you know, it's like, well, why don't we just have cars like the Model T Ford? Because it worked. Why don't we just keep it like that? Well, clearly, that's, that's not how things progress. You know, it, it, <laughs> I could just go so back maybe to the, that's a, maybe that's the Maybe that's a new podcast, Matt. I think we need to get us in, in a room all together with a, with a rocket engineer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm quite happy. If you want, Marcus, we'll, we'll cover that next week. We'll cover, we'll cover the Orion capsule and, and the technologies on board and why we need uh, to develop a new heat shield and why it's all over the capsule. You know, it's, I don't think that there's any secrets to any of that. I, I, I think that that is just a question for an engineer. I don't think that that's, that's certainly not evidence. And, and we, were, we were asking for evidence, Marcus, and, and that isn't evidence. That's... Uh, conjecture, at best. Well, that's that's the start of that part of the scientific process, as far as I can see. That you uh, no, it, no, you, it's not. It's not that, really. You start with an idea and test it, and and see if it stands up. Exactly, and but until you have tested it, it isn't evidence. So at the moment, we, we've just got conjectures, and but so this is the thing: we, we're waiting for the killer evidence. We want to we want to hear your conjecture after it's been through the rigorous process of. Uh, of uh, that the, the that the scientists who made the Apollo uh, mission work, the, what they had to go through, you know, that, that that's the thing is like all these all these artifacts that came back from Apollo have there's so much of it that has been through scientific research, like the moon rocks and the you know and historians that have poured over every single part of it, you know, it's, and it's got that that stuff's gone through peer review, and it and it is like well. There's your evidence. The, the evidence is huge. Now, don't get me wrong, Marcus, with this because I actually think that there's, you know, some people that think, you know, thinking about these things is a waste of time. I don't, and I actually think the world needs people like you, Marcus, because occasionally one of you will be right about something, and it will bring something new into the world. There's nothing wrong with that. However, Absolutely. I think that the moon hoax one has gone on for so long now. That it's clear that there is nothing there. That, that in actual fact, uh, we're we're not we're not anywhere. We're, the, it's almost case closed. Uh, I think Colin Actually, wants Matt, to. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Wasn't there? Wasn't there just to butt in on that? Because you just triggered my memory, um, which doesn't happen often. Let's face it. <laughs> um, I think I read somewhere that there was, and I and I will come back with this because I I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a scientist who did. Um, some experiments and tests and research on on looking at conspiracy theories and how many people are involved in a certain conspiracy and and then times that by how long it would then take to come out and he deducted that for the apollo missions to be hoax that it would be around four years and then it would definitely 100 percent had to have come out um, because of the just sheer the sheer amount of people involved, I know Marcus brought up compartmentalization last time, which that's 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 fair enough. But but even with that, 
even with that, it would be he said he said around four years, and you know that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, well, in fact, actually, Marcus, you you said on the last podcast that because I said, well, is there a, is there another conspiracy with as similar numbers that that has remained secret? And you said, well, of course, there's the Manhattan Project. Well, the Manhattan Project ha- didn't have similar numbers. It was about a third of the people working on the Manhattan Project, and actually, far less scientists knew what was going on. Whereas, obviously, at least sixteen astronauts knew what was going on with Apollo. Uh, but anyway, the uh, but. The point about the Manhattan Project, it was only secret for not very long, i.e. the Russians and the Chinese managed to get hold of a lot of those secrets and build their own atomic bomb. So in actual fact, your example of the Manhattan Project is a very good one because we didn't keep it secret. And you can read about the Manhattan Project all the time. What you can't read about is how we faked the moon landings. So they are very, 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 very different. Well, you can read uh, about it. Yeah, you can read about it, but but not it, but not as not in a uh, not in an accepted way. Uh, Colin, no. uh, we're going to bring Colin back in now. Um, yeah, um, <clears throat> I was just going to add that we had a, a talk at the BIS uh, HQ in Vauxhall last week, um, which we all attended uh, by Mark Craig, the filmmaker who made uh, a film called uh, The Last Man on the Moon about Gene Cernan of Apollo Seventeen. Um, and knowing a bit about Gene Cernan, I actually met him once, so I was lucky enough to meet him. Um, he was one of the, the most sort of passionate communicators about the moon landings, um, and he described his time on the moon, he described the Apollo 17 mission in minute detail, and he's done that over, he's, he's no longer with us, but he did it over many decades. So, so Marcus, how would you explain that if you're saying that he didn't walk on the moon? Well, it's interesting you could ask about that. Yes, I I was at that uh, talk as well. I found it very interesting. One point about Gene Cernan on Apollo 17, he spent quite a lot of time making it very clear to to Houston that his hands were getting quite badly damaged in the gloves he was... um, he was using. Now, a spacesuit has internal pressure. Obviously, you've got to keep people alive. It's about 4.8 pounds per square inch. And he, he actually said, and it's on the transcripts, that his hands were damaged to the extent... Well, that's, that's the case with most of the astronauts that okay. worked on the moon. They, they, you know, they did have damaged, bruised, okay. in some cases, bleeding hands. So it was, was quite painful. Yes, it, it was. And uh, I've got degree of sympathy for him on that. You know, if you're going to scrape your knuckles because of it, you're trying to bend this this um, glove against the pressure inside it, yes, you're going to damage your hands. What is interesting is that a photograph taken of Gene Cernan, virtually as he landed or walked from the helicopter onto the flight deck of the uh, ship that had uh, taken him out of the sea, shows his hands completely undamaged. So there is a discrepancy between what we're told happened and what we assume did happen to all the astronauts and the evidence presented of his hand as he cut the cake that was presented to him as he landed. And there are other photographs taken inside the capsule as he traveled back from the moon, allegedly, which show completely undamaged hands. So how how would would Gene Cernan, Cernan as, as as a man, uh, maintain a lie of such a magnitude 
over 40 odd years and, and describe what happened on that mission in minute detail. How, how could you account for that? How, how would you uh, explain that? That's between him and his conscience, but he is a military man. He, he, had, he had signed his oath of secrecy as a military man. This was a national security issue. He was not about to blow the whistle. That's not so. So you're saying he made it up? He, this is a complete fantasy. He he made up the details. No, what I'm saying is that the details that uh, existed on the transcript from his moonwalks, EVAs one, two, and three, the transcripts indicate that he had damaged his hands to a significant extent that he felt he had to mention it. Evidence showing when he landed that the hands were undamaged is a discrepancy between one piece of evidence and the other. But is there, is there actual detail on what happened to his hands specifically, i.e., was there something that he said that he had a big slash right across the, the back of his hand, or could it be that he'd, just, he'd, he'd hurt his hands and we didn't see, you know, cuts? Yeah, I've, I've hurt my hands where my hands have been... Apt from. Uh, I had to remove Artex from a wall once and I'd been smashing it... Uh, all day long, and uh, uh, and my hand, I literally, I couldn't move my hands the next day. They were in absolute agony. Now, however, if someone had taken a picture of my hands, they would have looked fine. I mean, unless we know the nature, of, this just sounds like another case of all the. the it's an, it's an, again, it's not it's evidence. Hearsay. It's conjecture. Again, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just yeah, conjecture. Can I, and just one last thing on on this. Um, Gene Cernan is in his autobiography, The Last Man on the Moon. Uh, described how he inscribed his daughter Trace's initials in the lunar soil. Um, so, Marcus, you're saying that that Cernan didn't walk on the moon. So, again, we we come come down to this deception that he has deceived his family for for decades. Um, so, if you were to meet Gene Cernan's daughter Tracy today, what what would you say to her? I would, I would ask her. Uh, I would say that. Um... She must have been very proud of her father, which she was. We saw it in the film. But you're saying he, he's a liar because he didn't actually walk on the moon. Whether he would uh, admit that to his daughter is another matter. Now, that, that idea of the, the, the comment that he traced his daughter's uh, initials on the, on, the, on, the, on the rock. It was called Tracy's Rock for that reason, because her name was Tracy. In the film, it was described that he traced his daughter's initials with the handle of one of the pieces of equipment. In the transcript, he said he did it with his finger, but he couldn't bend down far enough to do it. And there's, no, there's actually no photograph showing the initial traced on the lunar surface, so we have his word for what happened. Whether he's lying, whether he's making a story, whether he's persuading people that something happened which didn't happen in the way it was told, is a completely discussion. The, uh, uh, the point is that Gene Cernan and all the astronauts were military men. They, held, they keep secrets. That's their job. Well, no, I, I, I just cannot believe that all 16 of them right. managed to keep that secret. And again, it's just... Right. You're, you, you're, uh, if you you're jumping from one conclusion to another that because they're military men, they can keep secrets. Therefore, they're keeping secrets. It's it's. Yeah, there's another another interesting point here is that the the NASA public relations and the communication involved with NASA was uh, was very very transparent. They they kept the media updated every step of the way. 
Um, every technical uh, um, development was reported in very thorough detail. They handled the, the media extremely well. Um, the, the Apollo missions and the Apollo project was uh, you know, a, a PR triumph, and it was communicated far and wide uh, from start to finish. So you know, it, they had nothing to hide as far as the technical side of, of things was concerned. It, they, it was reported very, very widely and over many years. From the technical point of view, I would certainly agree that everything that we are told occurred by all the 400,000 people who worked for the, on the Apollo project, all the various companies, you know, Boeing, Lockheed, uh, Hamilton Standard, all the other people, uh, dozens of companies that worked on aspects of the Apollo program were doing what they were asked to do, and they were very proud of what they'd achieved. The only information we have about what happened on Apollo once the rocket had taken off, is from NASA. That's the only source of information. Now, if we accept that what NASA says is 100% true, okay, forget what I'm saying. It's obviously not correct. But if you, if you have a slight doubt that you are being told the whole truth all the time, as I do... That, that still yeah, doesn't yeah. make your position correct either. Mm. Yeah. You know, if that, you, that, the that thing is, is, if you have a slight doubt... What you need to do then is go out and find the evidence. You need to find concrete evidence to support your position. But there is no evidence that stands up to any sort of scrutiny or would stand up to any sort of peer group review that I can see. Yeah, I mean, we, we could just quickly, I'm, I'm going to quickly uh, just go over some of the evidence. And then I'm going to get, uh, Colin's just going to just go over some <laughs> a philosophical point about it. But if I just quickly recap. Um, you say that, that the moon landings were used as a dis distraction for, for geopolitical reasons. Uh, there's no evidence for that. That if there was a meeting where where you had a uh, where someone had said that that's what they were going to do, fair enough. No evidence for it. Uh, eight years was too short to invent all the stuff. Again, there's no evidence for that, and that's just an argument from personal incredulity. Uh, the risk of seeing a death on television was brought up last uh, time. Uh, uh, NASA would not risk broadcasting an astronaut getting sick or dying on live television. Uh, the counter-argument to that is actually NASA did incur a great deal of public humiliation uh, when the, they lost the entire crew in the Apollo 1 fire and had to sit in front of the Senate and House of Representatives. Uh, there was no live broadcast of the actual landing. Uh, the uh, Armstrong's um, egress out of the uh, lunar, lunar lander was actually delayed while they made sure it was safe. And then, yes, they were taking a risk. But, you know, we show Formula One live on the television and there's a good risk that someone might die as well. You know, that, that I don't think that that's not evidence. Simulations, yes, simulations exist, but it's a logical fallacy that because we have simulations that that's what we'll use. And in any rate, if you look at uh, the film quality at the time of special effects, it's nowhere near up to the standard that, uh, that the, the film shot on the lunar surface is. Then you went, uh, last podcast, you uh, actually used as evidence a line from a film from Interstellar. Uh, I counted it, uh, but I've since looked up why the directors of the film put that in. Uh, and I'll quote um, uh, one of the Nolan brothers, and it says, part of the problem of where the negativity comes from has happened in the last 20 years when people trying to look in a more cynical way under the surface about motivations for, what, for why things happen. So there's a very, very powerful belief that innovation comes from war or human conflict. 
we only went into space to mess with the Russians or whatever it is, and you go, okay, there's an interesting theory behind that. There are interesting undercurrents that, yes, in the past might have been overlooked, but now people aren't seeing the woods for the trees. We went to space because it was a cool thing to do. Who will be the most prominent person to be remembered in the last hundred years? It's Neil Armstrong. How can it not be Neil Armstrong? If you, took, if you look 500 years in the future, it's like the first guy who left the Earth and landed somewhere else. And what he's saying is, in the, in the film, they wanted to show a disillusioned society, one that had sort of fallen in on itself. It was in no way supposed to be taken seriously. It was a dig at the moon conspiracists like yourself, Marcus. So it definitely shouldn't have been brought up as evidence for, the, for, the, for, for moon hoaxing. Then we have the resolution of the LRO and why can't it take a picture that's as good as the uh, Google Earth pictures. The actual reality is I'm looking at the shot that the LRO took of the Apollo 17 landing and it is as good as a... Um, uh, a Google Earth shot. I can clearly see where the tracks of the uh, lunar roving vehicle, I can clearly see the tracks of where the astronauts have walked and all the hardware left on the surface. And I don't see any evidence that it's been photoshopped. It may have been, but I don't see the evidence of it. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm just to assume that, that it's okay. I can't see, you know, that there is no evidence that it's photoshopped. It's only conjecture that it has been. Um, they have the technology to fake the moon landings, therefore the, the moon landings are fake. Uh, it's, an, it's another uh, logical fallacy, obviously. Uh, uh, the radiation belts. Um, uh, it doesn't seem to be true. The Kelly Smith quote uh, is, is out of context and he himself would say that and it's a problem that needed solving for Orion, not a problem that needs solving for Apollo. The calculations for how much um, uh, radiation is received through the Van Allen belt, as you said, Marcus, it is quite complicated because there's different types of radiation that's measured in different ways, from millisieverts to rads to etc. etc. But the actual reality is, once you do the maths, it's about the same as a CAT scan. Um, and the Apollo vehicle was built with radiation. It's not just a stupid aluminium shell, it's more complicated than that. Like I said, these things are very expensive. Re-entry shielding, again, it's just being redesigned for the Orion program. I don't know why the heat shielding is on the rest of the, the, uh, the capsule. Maybe it's to make it safer. Maybe, they've designed, maybe they have a higher level of safety these days, and that is the reason. Uh, we also had a, a weird um, thing about Clinton's uh, gardener, carpenter. which I thought was... Car I've already carpenter? Gardener. If gardener, it's carpenter. <laughs> okay, carpenter. But look, we can't just take one person's <laughs> one person who works for Clinton as, as any form of evidence whatsoever. Uh, so, I mean, we, we're just going through, and a lot of the, you know, n none of this seems to be evidence. It's always conjecture. Does, does, that make, does that make sense, Marcus? I mean, we, we need evidence, not, not conjecture. And we can keep going through conjecture, and I'm sure I could invent some myself, uh, uh, and we'd, we'd then go and have to debunk it. But it goes back to that Charlie Brooker line of just because a kid says that there's a, uh, there's a fairy in the garden doesn't mean I have to look under every single blade of grass to prove him wrong. He's just come up with conjecture. He needs to go out and come up with the evidence. Uh, it's a fair summary of that. I think you did very well. You, you, you've obviously been thinking about this in some detail, which is... Um 
There's a first for everything, Marcus. <laughs> well, exactly, I haven't. I thank the listeners for sending that stuff in. But. Actually, Mark, on the, um, on the, what you just brought up, I, I have that Marcus Shermer book in front of me, and I was just moving it, and it opened to a page that said, uh, I just cast my eye over it, it said, unexplained is not inexplainable. And the first paragraph's really interesting. It said, many people are overconfident enough to think that they cannot explain something but to think if they cannot explain something, um, it must be inexplicable and therefore a true mystery of paranormal. An, an amateur archaeologist declares that because he cannot figure out how the pyramids were built, um, that there must have been constructed by space aliens. Even those who are more reasonable to at least think that experts cannot explain everything, it must be inexplicable. Feats such as bending of spoons, firewalking, mental telepathy are often thought to be of paranormal or mystical nature uh, because people cannot explain them. When they are explained, most people respond, yes, of course. That's obvious once you see it. And then he goes on to talk about firewalking and, and why actually you don't need to have psychic powers to do that. Um, and it's quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know that this might sound to a normal listener like we're, we're, we're kind of ganging up on you, Marcus, and I definitely don't want that to be the case. But I think it's nice that we can all throw around these ideas, no? No, I mean, that's fair enough. I, I mean, I'm a great fan of those television programmes that explain how magic tricks are done. Oh, I love them, yeah. You know, that the Penn and Teller being run over by a truck. You think, oh, he's, he's using soft tyres. Of course that's the way you do it. And a big weight on the other side of the truck. Of course that's how you do it. And you think, oh, that's great. Have you, Marcus, have you seen the film Prestige? I don't recall seeing it. I, I recommend that one if, if you like the, the whole magic debunking. It's really good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, I mean, things that explain what appears to be inexplicable. As you say, once you see the explanation, you go, oh, of course that's how it's done. And you think... Well, I won't get fooled again, sort of thing. But I don't think it's a, a fair comparison to draw between uh, explaining magic tricks or homeopathy or any other of the things that the sceptic group, uh, PSYCOP, they used to be called, Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. Um, I don't think it's a fair comparison between this particular individual subject. I think that's when, I think that's when we come back to the vested interest you know, like I said, you said that your life wouldn't change that much if uh, you said today that you do believe actually now that man walked on the moon. I disagree. And, you know, you kind, you kind of said a few times that you wish that you want to be proven wrong. I don't know if that's true, because there are times where you have been proven wrong and you just say that's fair enough. You don't then say that that, that you're wrong about that. You, you, in fact, then go back to repeat your claim another time elsewhere, which that's, that's the thing I, I kind of struggle with. Okay, no, I'll repeat it. Fair enough. I'll come in here, actually, because I think uh, a philosophical approach um, is needed on this. Um, and it's to actually look at uh, the, the moon hoax conspiracy on a scale of reasonableness. So we can start at the top. What is highly reasonable um, is for me to say that I'm sitting here in front of this table and I'm, there's a table in front of me. That's highly reasonable. I can prove that this table is here. I can feel it. I can touch it. I could weigh it. Uh, I could push it around. I can get independent witnesses to say that there's a table in front of me. So that's a, that's a highly reasonable uh, statement to make. Little f Just a, a touch further down the scale, we've got very reasonable 
which is that atoms exist. There is a, a vast amount of, of uh, evidence that atoms exist. Uh, that's been proven over, over many, many decades. Uh, although I've never seen atoms directly myself, we have a huge amount of evidence that they do exist. A bit further down the scale, we've got quite reasonable, which is that aliens exist. Uh, we don't have any evidence that aliens exist, but uh, it's, it's reasonable to assume that there could be aliens out there. And we are actively trying to collect the evidence now um, through the search for extraterrestrial in intelligence. Uh, and we also have the Drake equation as a, as a sort of first stab at estimating how many intelligent civilizations there are out there. Are out there. So that's, that's quite a reasonable statement. We then move into the unreasonable zone, uh, and we start with quite unreasonable, um, and a quite unreasonable statement is that Elvis is alive, uh, that his death was a conspiracy. Uh, that is not a reasonable statement. I mean, the, the, the evidence that says uh, Elvis is no longer with us is, is huge, so that's not a reasonable statement. And then we go into the highly unreasonable, uh, which is that goblins and fairies exist, uh, that that is not supported by any evidence. Uh, it's a delusion, um, and it's simply highly unreasonable to say that. And I would put the moon hoax conspiracy somewhere between four and five. There, the quite unreasonable and highly unreasonable, simply because it's uh, uh, an extraordinary claim that is not supported in any way by evidence. Thank you, Colin. That's a, that's a good summary. <laughs> I don't agree with it, to be fair. Um, I would put the moon hoax up at reasonable because there is still a great deal of evidence. Um, I, no, no, but, but, I don't think there is any evidence, and I think that's one thing that we we, we keep we're going to have to keep coming back to. Okay, let, let, let's go. Everything, even when you see a photo that you think, ah, oh, this is there's something wrong with this photo, and and you know the classic one is uh, obviously Buzz Aldrin coming down the uh, lunar landing. Uh, stairs or whatever they're called ladder <laughs> ladder <Yeah, yeah. laughs> <laughs> when he's coming down the ladder and then obviously uh, people have said oh that the lighting conditions are wrong how can how can he be white when he's clearly in shadow and then people you know that is conjecture that's fair enough and it is right for people to bring up exactly those questions if they see it and go oh that's odd it's right for them to bring up that question right it is then right for people to go away and say well here's the answer that's it. That's the end of. And that seems to happen with every single piece of conjecture about the moon hoax that I've heard. That, that it's given up and you go, oh, that's interesting. Why are the shadows at different angles? And then someone goes away and says, well, it's because of the topology of the moon surface. Ta-da! You know, so it's, it's not evidence. It's conjecture. Marcus, I and think I've what, still sorry. not heard a scrap of evidence from you, uh, Marcus. Well, I think, I've I only think, heard Matt, conjecture. If I, can, if I can jump in, I think, Marcus, what Matt's looking to get from you is to say that you ha you don't have any concrete evidence it's not right to call it evidence what you have is doubts is that is that a fair statement um yes it's, it's well i certainly have doubts uh, there's no dispute about that that that's that's up there in highly reasonable but 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 would you agree like i just said would you agree that you don't have evidence but you have doubts no i do have evidence no. no, but we mm. but we still no. haven't heard the evidence though. All right. That's where we also can I can I quickly come in here? We, we I'll quickly come in here. Talked earlier about investigative journalism and how you know if this if this were to be 
proven evidence that media companies would pay huge sums of money. And I know, Marcus, you mentioned, you know, our, the money situation here. Let's uh, do a thought experiment and say no money was involved. Let's say we had a investigative journalist who had actual evidence uh, that the moon, ha- moon landings were a hoax, uh, but they didn't want any money. The, the motivation there still for that journalist uh, to go forward to a company would be huge because they would have the glory of becoming one of the most famous journalists in history. You think of Watergate with Woodward and Bernstein. Uh, they, they're probably two of the most famous investigative journalists in history. So there, there must be someone out there who thinks they could come up with this evidence and, and take it forward for publication and then proper verification. But that person we haven't seen exist, and I, and I would say it's not going to happen because well, there is no evidence out there. And, and, and there is no that none of your conjecture, for example, is as strong as the conjecture of me saying I've got sixteen highly respected um, uh, pilots uh, here and scientists who who say they went to the moon. I've got uh, a whole heap of moon rock here that is found in such huge quantities and has been examined by so many scientists that uh, uh, that, that, that seems to be a pretty good evidence. I've got reflectors on the moon that I can sh- shine lasers at. I've got video footage. I've got photography footage. I've got uh, a huge uh, museums full of the artefacts from landing on the moon. That seems to be more than conjecture. That's a, that that for me feels like evidence that I just sixteen sixteen astronauts willing to testify that they went to the moon. And think of it like this: I watched an episode of EastEnders uh, a few years ago that was uh, that was broadcast live. Right? This these are trained actors who do the the show week in week out, uh, and uh, uh, and on a set that's been there for years and years and years with film crew that know exactly what they're doing and, pr- and, and have all their skills honed to the max. Now, when they do a live broadcast, there's at least four or five critical mistakes that are noticeable straight away. The thought that you could somehow orchestrate uh, the Apollo landings with no mistakes, uh, <laughs> just in that context, seems, again... R- preposterous and it's only conjecture it isn't evidence and and um, we're yet to hear the evidence marcus only conjecture you cannot be serious when you say that kelly smith talking on a nasa video saying we need to solve the problem of radiation on orion as being evidence i mean it, it's so far away from evidence it 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 it's it defies belief that you could could even bring it up seriously within the talk i come in here i mean marcus you said that it's it's highly reasonable to have doubts and i i totally agree with you it's highly reasonable but then you need to come up with the evidence Um, and the fact that there is no evidence that we can see means that ultimately it's not reasonable so yes highly reasonable to have doubts but then we need to see the hard evidence that would stand up in a court of law but we have we have not seen any evidence that will fulfill that so I'm afraid it's it's not reasonable. I have to say, guys, we have th- this has been really fun, 
Uh, and thank uh, and Marcus, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, you know, uh, with absolutely no disrespect for you, uh, um, um, uh, but I would like to just sum up because we we we, we are probably three times longer than any other podcast. <laughs> I don't want to stop. <laughs> I mean, I, seriously, I don't. But I I do want to I do want to stop. And I just uh, uh, what I do want to do is just sum up where I'm at with this particular thing and. Um, uh, what I want to say is what NASA said, and uh, I'm going to quote NASA here, and it says, To some extent, debating the subject is an insult to the thousands who worked for years to accomplish the most amazing feats of exploration in history. And it certainly is an insult to the memory of those who have given their lives for the exploration of space. Denials of the moon landings appropriately should be denounced as crap hot ideas and I have to say after listening to Marcus and, and listening to you several times and watching the talks on the BIS and reading some of the materials I have not in any way seen a shred of evidence I've seen lots of conjecture but I've not seen a shred of evidence that would say that this isn't a crackpot idea now however I'm open to mind open-minded enough to say Marcus, please go away and find this amazing piece of evidence. Come to me first with it because I want to be—I want and to be me, with you me. when we become the. <laughs> I, we all want to be there when we become the most famous investigative journalists of all time. Pity I can't even say the word, let alone be. I'm one. not worried about so, the fame, Matthew. I'm worried about the money. <laughs> oh yeah, totes. Well, exactly, Marcus. You, me, Jamie, Colin. We can all go to the Caribbean. Have a massive holiday. Forget Caribbean. Genius. We'll have enough money that we can go to Elon Musk. We can go to we Mars. We can go to the moon. Yeah, we could. We could book our trip on the on the, <laughs> on the Falcon Heavy. So, Marcus, I'll, I'll I'll give you a couple of minutes just to to come back on that, and then we're going to have to wrap up. Okay, it's been a very interesting discussion. Um, every time I have a discussion like this with people who who have strongly held views, as you all do. Um, and I hope you would accept that I have fairly strongly held views as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A lot of it is conjecture. That is quite correct. Whether it is proof, whether the evidence exists, that you would accept as evidence is a completely different story. I know Colin is a photographer, and one of the things I did when I made a presentation at the BIS was using photographs. And that's something we haven't really discussed, because doing it on a, on a podcast is difficult without actually looking at the photographs themselves. I know, but I, with, the, if, if I, <laughs> the, with the photography one, I've, I've never ever seen I've never ever seen one where it hasn't been, to my satisfaction, explained away. Now, I can quite easily see why all photographs appear to have anomalies in them. And landing on the moon for the first time and taking pictures, there's bound to be loads, because uh, the moon is different to the Earth. The, the way that things work is different to the Earth. I mean, we can just go to the, cl- the, the clear, the, the, the easy one is why aren't there any stars in the background? No, well, no, you know, as... No. You know, I mean, stars in the background, shadow angles, moving flags, forget it. That, that, yeah. that is not evidence. That's not... I know, but, the, but, that's what, but that used to be what, what the moon hoaxers used to be using because they fa- find these things, they don't understand them. Again, the argument from okay. incredulity. <laughs> and, then, and then they're explained by the people. Uh, but, but they've already now established a position that they don't believe in the moon hoax and they're, and they're using that as the reason why they don't. But then when they're told that these things are wrong, they then find something new. Do you see what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, just one thing. Uh, I think it was Colin mentioned the... Uh, 
the survey that was conducted uh, a couple of years ago about uh, how many people believe in a hoax before it becomes knowledge, uh, public knowledge. And for the moon hoax, it was calculated at four years. Uh, the point is that it was four years after Apollo had finished in 1972 when the first book on the subject was published, which indicates that it adhered to the theory. And that book was the, was the place where this idea that there were no stars in the sky, therefore the photographs were fake, came from. It was, it, it was acknowledged fairly rapidly that that was incorrect. It was to do with the exposure of the film. Because don't forget, it was using film, not digital. It was using current ectochrome film, which couldn't record the directly illuminated lunar surface and the stars at the same time. Therefore, the stars wouldn't show up which is a logical and fairly straightforward explanation. But the, uh, the point is that now that photographs have been examined in, in, in forensic detail, when you see the amount of retouching and blocking out that has occurred, which can now be identified, you have to... Yeah, I've got to disagree there, Marcus. Sorry, as, as a professional photographer of many years... Um, I've looked through, I think, most of the images that were taken on the lunar surface, and there was nothing, absolutely nothing, that gives me any cause for concern. Believe me, if I thought that there was some sort of discrepancy, uh, I would be onto it pretty quickly, but there's nothing. Everything seems absolutely genuine. Okay, uh, okay. I, I, right. Mar Marcus, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. <laughs> I think... That's one thing. Can I just say I don't agree with Colin on that, because though we haven't discussed it yet, the coefficient of friction comes in on this as well. Okay, enough. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, thanks, all right. Marcus. Okay, Marcus, thanks very much for coming on the show yes, again. Thank you. Uh, I, what I will say is, uh, in terms of, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of Jamie as well, and you can say yes or no at the end of this, Jamie, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure Colin will agree with me. In terms of, um, in terms of obviously my viewpoint changing, it, it hasn't. What these last two programs uh, that we've done has given me is, is made me realise there is absolutely no point me discussing the moon conspiracy uh, any further because I'm satisfied that given the current evidence pile that we have that uh, the, the moon landings did happen uh, not that it was ever in doubt for me, but I am more than happy that they that they happened, uh, and that I won't really we won't really be talking about it uh, again unless a new piece of evidence, and I mean evidence, uh, comes to the fore. And we're really really happy to have you on, Marcus, if you find that new piece of evidence. Uh, and I do want it to be evidence. You can email me, and I'll decide whether I think it is or not. But uh, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I'm really, really glad we did this because I think it's really important that uh, the occasional uh, the other person's viewpoint is allowed to be aired. But I think we've probably given it uh, enough airtime now for a long time on the podcast. But thank you very much, Marcus, for joining us. I completely agree with that. And thanks again, Marcus. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Marcus. Thanks for inviting me. And also, thank you very much, Colin, for joining us as well yeah, on the cheers, fifth Colin. anniversary of the original talk. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. Thank you. And thank you very much for everyone that sent in their uh, their thoughts. That again, that was brilliant. And to be fair to you all out there in in listener land, uh, there was no there was no one on Marcus's side, which in some ways is a little bit of dis disappointing. But at least we know our demographic now, Jamie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so thank you very much, Marcus. Uh, goodbye. Okay. 
Bye bye, Matt. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Marcus. And bye, everyone out there. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Happy Easter. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.